before going into the episode, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Uh, a couple of things before we get going into the episode is uh, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I'll put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back, listen in, and enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. Thank you. have on today Kendrick Pratt, who is the Director of Training Conditioning for Basketball at Jackson State University, also has his own podcast called The Coach's Table. Kendrick, welcome to the Conjugate Chats, man. Awesome to have you on. I appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, it's always such an honor to be on other people's shows, and I'm very appreciative for the opportunity, so thank you very much. Absolutely, man. Well, give the listeners just a little synopsis about you. Where you're from, how'd you get into strength conditioning, and everything else in between. Yeah. Um, so from Minnesota, uh, you know, Midwestern guy, born and raised there. Uh, played sports, played through sports, football, basketball, baseball. Um, did wrestling and gymnastics and track and field and everything as well. Um, you know, throughout high school, played college football. Um, started out D2 on scholarship and then transitioned to a D3 school. Um, and then ended up stopped playing because I had three knee surgeries that, that took me out of college ball. Um, and then I joined the military in high school uh, my senior year because my parents didn't, couldn't afford for me to go to college. And so they said, hey, you know, this is a, a way for you to pay for college. And we're, I come from a military family where I'm the sixth consecutive generation to be in. Um, and so I joined the National Guard my senior year in high school. Did that all throughout college, and then after college, after I graduated and commissioned, I uh, went active duty for the Army uh, for four years, 
and was an armor officer, which was really cool. I got to work with tanks and scouts and had opportunities uh, to work with like, you know, special operations and, and army rangers and SEALs and stuff like that. So that was really cool. Um, but I got into coaching really through my high school coach. Um, he was my high school training conditioning coach, also like the outside linebackers coach and the, the throwers coach. So uh, I got to know him like super well. He's such a good dude. Um, I talk to him all the time now. He was on my pod as well, but um, I'm just very, very, very close to him. And, you know, I said, if I could have the impact that I'm one athlete that he's had on me, you know, I would consider that a successful career. And, um, you know, I'm a decade removed and I still talk to him and FaceTime him and, you know, go spend the night at his place or like make an intentional uh, opportunity to go see him when I go back home and, and all that stuff. So, you know, the relationship that I built with him is, is truly amazing. And that's kind of how I got into coaching. Um, I coached in college as well. Uh, I coached track and uh, semi-pro football in college. And then when I was in the military active duty, um, I worked at a private facility. I coached online, uh, but then worked at a private facility where I was very fortunate enough to have the opportunity to um, <clears throat> train professional athletes. Um, that was in Georgia. And so we trained professional athletes, division one athletes. And then I knew like, I need to go back into it, you know? And so I, I left the active duty force um, and then went into graduate school uh, at University of Louisville. And then that's kind of how my coaching career kind of took off and, and uh, finished graduate school, went Louisville to University of Illinois Springfield, which is a D2 school. Um, Cause I left grad school after the first year and then finished my grad program online but then went to Illinois Springfield uh, from there, TCU, TCU to West Point, West Point to uh, um, where I'm at now at, at Jackson State. And then I did an internship when I was at uh, Elon University in between my first and second year of graduate school. Awesome, Kendrick. And uh, it's awesome to have, you know, such an impactful person on you, even at, you know, the high school realm mm. um you know i have my offensive line coach that i known since i was a sophomore and he was our sophomore jv and you know varsity offensive line coach and even to this day invite him to you know my wedding and yeah. everything else in between like that that was a lifetime relationship that i have mm. with him and you know i text him from time he texts me some stuff about strength from time to time and you know it's always mm. great to have kind of that relationship and that impact in your life man yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I think everybody needs that, right? You know, outside of your parents who are, you know, very impactful and influential, um, and then, you know, good groups of friends as well. But having a mentor or mentors that are extremely influential to you that you respect um, and that are legitimately looking out for your friends' best interest, um, I think it is so important. I really, really believe that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that relates to strength conditioning as well, because when you first step into the field of strength conditioning, it's, it can be a little overwhelming. You know, mm. work, you know, what can we do in system reps? You know, what methods do I need to do? What what's principles? Do I need to go get my CSCS? Do I need to go get my CSSC, you know, STCC, you know, and it's always really helpful to have someone, a mentor kind of guide you on, well, here's what I've seen. Here's the mistakes I've made. Here's mm -hmm. the experiences I have. Mm -hmm. Don't make the same mistakes, but learn where, where I went wrong. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, 
you know, um, I think there's a couple of ways to learn really fast. And that's one through people, uh, through mentors um, that open up to you and, and share with you uh, their failures. And you, you know, put that in the back of your head and say, check Raj, you know, we're going to make sure I don't do that. Um, and then reading. I think reading is another great way to learn really quickly. Um, and, and obviously you have to apply that stuff, but um, it, I think it can really save you a lot of time and a lot of mistakes uh, or put you on a, a faster track faster. And I think those are leadership qualities too. You know, if you're actively reading and you're engaging to what you're reading as well, you know, if you're getting something out of it, if it's, you know, making little adjustments in your life, like financials mm -hmm. is one of those. You know, yeah. you can read, um, I can't remember the guy's name. He has all the budgeting and financial books. I, I can't remember yeah. his name on top of my head. Yeah. But, you know, you can learn things, actively like learning things. Mm -hmm. But on the other side as well, um, have, you know, reaching out and seeking a mentor mm -hmm. is part of leadership on yourself because you want to learn more. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's relying on someone else to, you know, give you the tools and give you the knowledge in order to, you know, further yourself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I think it's just, you know, of, of utter importance, right? Um, and the aspect to humble yourself enough to ask the questions, to learn, and to actually listen, you know? I think that's a big thing, to actually listen uh, and have that aspect of it, okay, I'm going to make sure to not do that because I respect this individual or he's at where I want to be or, you know, he's making as much money or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I just think there's a huge component of really just humbling yourself and, you know, soaking in what other people are willing to share with you. And that's kind of the difference between being a leader and being a boss, you know, yeah. you know, for, for a lot of people, you know, a lot of people can be bosses, tell people what to do and say, that's not my problem. You know, this is, you know, I, I'm here right here right now. I'm high and mighty, you know, whatever. But it also takes like on the other side of coin, being a leader is being there in the trenches with the people that want to learn from you and want to engage into what you're trying to accomplish as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, reflecting on like my time in the army too, um, and I'm still in, right? And I'm still in leadership positions in the army, just now in the National Guard. But when I was active duty, man, and, and, you know, I've said this once, but I think it bears repeating, like when I was a platoon leader on active duty, like my leadership was horrible, right? Like I, I, I failed as a leader, um, not because I didn't know what to do, but because I was so concerned with being liked. Like I was so concerned with, do, does my, do my NCOs like me? You know what I'm saying? Like I was so concerned with that. Um, and it was to a fault that I, at times, like, would base decisions upon how they are going to um, accept that, rather than this is a decision made, like, I don't particularly care if you like it or not. And, like, obviously, like, I matured throughout my time there, right? And I got better, and I got better, and I was never, like, a this may sound weird, but I was never like a bad leader. I was just overly concerned with being like, like I knew what I had to do. I knew how to do it. I was very confident. I could listen to the people that needed uh, me to listen to them and, and things of that nature. But like I failed as a leader in the aspect of I 
was so concerned with being liked rather than actually leading. And now, like, I see that tremendously, especially as, like, a strength coach because the parallels to what we do today and what I was doing then are so similar. The only thing is I call myself a strength coach rather than a platoon leader or an executive officer or a commander, right? Like, even now when I'm a commander in the National Guard, like, I have 130 soldiers that I'm responsible for and platoon leaders and all this other stuff. But, like, I just failed miserably because I was so concerned with being light. Um, and now I don't particularly care at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really don't. Like, if my athletes don't like me in this, for people that don't understand this, they may sound like he doesn't care. And that's not true at all. I care immensely, but I don't care if they like me. Like, I care so much more about, like, do they respect me? Right. And, like, you know, we can all reflect when we were playing high school ball, that coach that was always on you, like, always. And you're like, dude, I can't go a day without you freaking like chirping me or being on my butt or whatever. It's like in the moment you don't like him. But when you're done, you respect him so much, right? Like you truly like, I absolutely love that guy. Because of him, I was able to do X, Y, and Z. And that's the route I'd rather take than like be the coach that cares if the athletes like the music that's playing. Like I don't care. Like we're not here for the music. You know what I'm saying? And I I feel like, I see that all too often with coaches, especially younger coaches. Um, and if there's you know, a piece of advice I can give them or give your listeners, it's don't be so concerned with being liked. Be concerned with actually leading, being respected, and you're not going to win everybody, right? And that's okay. And you have to be okay with that. Um, but yes, you can, and you should care for every single athlete, and I do, and you should have conversations with every single one of them every single day. But don't worry if they like the music that you're playing, whatever the case. Like, you're there to accomplish a goal. You're there to do a job. You're not there to be liked. And I think that's a, a maturity thing, uh, especially for young coaches that listen that. I think we all fall victim to it, right? But if you can just get over that hump of worrying about being liked, like, don't worry about that. Have a standard. Stick to the standard. And they will love you and respect you for that so much more than what they could ever, quote, unquote, like you for because you play the music they like or whatever the case may be i kind of refer back to this quote of you know you build relationships with you know your athletes your coworkers, your coaches things of that nature you know it says build a relationship not build a friendship yeah, you know yeah. if it develops into a friendship that's one thing outside yeah. of the weight room outside of you know your job parameters you know that's one thing but like you said you're in the weight room you're on the field, you're on the court, you're there for a mission. You're there mm -hmm. for a job. You know, mm -hmm. you're not there to make friends. You're there to, you know, improve their performance. You know, talking about strength coach wise, you're yeah. there to improve their performance. Mm -hmm. You know, there's things that you can do to help build your relationships. You know, obviously be personable, be open, be honest. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of the coin, you got to be firm. You have to be living your standards as well. Yeah. Send them and living your standards. Yes. Because that's the di difference between being a boss and being a leader, right? If you tell them no hey dudes in the weight room, then you should not be wearing hey dudes in the weight room right. as, you know, as a coach. So that's a really big point there, Kendrick, because you know, I, I hear all the time, you got to build relationships. you got to build relationships. That's true. But you know, being a friend and being a leader are way two different things, and you're there to be a leader. Yeah. 
I also think it's so important to let your athletes see you do what you preach, right? Um, and so if that is reading, like read in your office. I don't know anybody that's going to be upset if you are improving your personal and professional development on on the clock, so to speak, right? Like, I don't know if anybody's going to be upset about that. I quite frankly would never be upset about that. I would, you know, be ecstatic, be like, good. That's what they should be doing, right? Um, same thing. Let them see you training. Let them see you going on walks at 10 o'clock at night when you don't want to. Let them, you know what I'm saying? Let them see you bringing your food in to eat and you're saying, I'm consuming good quality food. Um, let them see those things because when you then talk to them about it, they can hear it and feel it in your voice on you actually live it out. When you don't, they can hear it and feel it in your voice that you don't live it out, right? And I think that's a huge thing. People think that they can fake that, like they can't. Like if you're training every day and you're training hard, one, they're going to physically notice it, but then two, they're going to see it. And then when you talk about it, because your mindset changes, they will, it comes across differently, right? Like it just comes across differently. It lands differently. And then when they walk into your office and they see you reading, they see you eating, they see you doing whatever the case may be, they're going to be like, cool, JM lives what he, what he preaches. You know what I'm saying? And then their buy-in becomes more, right? Um, same, same thing. Like if you tell them the footwear is X, like then you should have that on while you're coaching, right? Like I have slides, you know, in my office and stuff that I wear around when I'm not coaching. If I'm coaching, I will have on the proper footwear, right? And so it's just kind of like, not being a hypocrite. <laughs> That's it. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be 300 pounds and be like, oh, y'all didn't do your running today. Well, like, yeah, neither have you in a decade. So, like, what are you talking about? Like, that's the stuff that drives me absolutely bananas. Like, oh, drives me insane. I also, I, I like to believe that your physical image is also a result of your training and your lifestyles as well, yeah. right? If you're walking into a new building and you put on a t-shirt and, you know, um, you know, your belly starts sticking out a little bit more yeah. and, you know, there's a difference. I, you could tell a person that trains, that's really, really trained and it's really, really strong and someone that's got a beer belly walking into the weight room, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just like, well, I enjoy, you know, training and I, I like to go to McDonald's. It's like, you don't train at all and you like to go to McDonald's. Like, I, I like to think that your your body image is a result of your lifestyles, right? If you eat like crap, then you're gonna look like crap. Um, yeah. So yeah, great yeah. on that. Great on that, Kendrick. Yeah, just say don't be a hypocrite. Like that's the biggest thing, you know. And we all are to an extent. I will openly admit that, right? And we all are to an extent. But um, you know, try as hard as possible to not be. And if you're gonna preach a message, you should live it too. And that was one thing, like, when I started first coaching in the weight room and programming and everything like that, I told myself, if I cannot physically do some of the exercises that I program, so whether that's a 10-yard fly on, you know, on, the, on the field, right, if I can't do the change of direction drills, if I can't perform, like, if I want to ask a, you know, ask a grass squat yeah. and I can't do it, I'm not going to tell athletes to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, I don't think you need to be like, I think you need to look the part, 
right? I don't think you need to be the most jacked. I mean, should like do I personally want to be? Yes, I personally want to be. But you know, if you're an able bodied individual and you look like you train, awesome, great. Like I don't think you need to look like a bodybuilder, right? Like I, I don't think that, but it's like your athletes shouldn't question like when's the last time you've trained? Like they shouldn't question that. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah, I think you should be able to perform the movements as well. Um and, and go from there, you know, aside from any major injuries, obviously, like if you or your Achilles or something, then obviously I totally understand that. But for the majority of the time, yeah, I think you should be able to demonstrate and articulate. I think that's another component. You should be able to demonstrate and articulate what you want, how you want it, and what they should feel. Because if you train, it should be pretty easy to do that, you know? Like, um, so I just think it's a big thing. I just think coaches should train um consistently and and um you know live the message that they preach you know i understand nobody's perfect we all fall short but um i think you should try and do that to your fullest yeah and just look fit i mean you don't have to be the biggest yeah. most jack person in the world i know strength coaches out there that are tall and they're skinny but they're fit sure. you know yeah. and that that's a totally different aspect right and that's what we want athletes like we we're not being powerlifters we're not being bodybuilders unless you're competing you know that that's totally you know a different ballpark but like you know we're trying to get you to be fit we're trying to get you to be athletic you know and i think you know having a strength coach or even sport coaches that are physically fit helps you know drive that message yeah definitely definitely i think it's a big uh, it's just a personal standards thing right i just i'm just I just firmly believe in having standards. You know, when we're talking leadership and we're talking, how do I set this expectation management? How do I do it up front? I think the number one thing that a lot of people kind of fail at, like, and I'm going to use a reference back to the military here, but like, we don't set the expectation up front, right? And leaders set that expectation up front and they sit down and they have a formal meeting and they set that expectation up front. Hey, here's what I expect of you. Here's what you're going to be judged upon. Here's your performance, whatever. Um, and we don't do that enough in the athletic world, right? Uh, whether that's strength coach to athletes, uh, directors to assistants, whatever. Um, but I think that's a huge thing because it's, a, it's the beginning of the measuring tool to be like, how do I know if I'm doing a good job? And that means I have to have deliberate thought in what a good job is. And that means that I have to have conversation with you, with other people to say, what is a good job? Here's the minimum expectation, right? Um, and we do that in the military. And at first, I thought they were dumb. But then as I matured, and as I do more evaluations and performance evals, I find it to be such a big driver. because. Just because, like, just because I like you as a friend doesn't mean that I can't, I can't tell you professionally you could be better or vice versa, right? Like, I can like somebody as a friend and then be like, hey, professionally, you still need to be better here, right? Um, but if I don't lay that expectation out front, like, then I can't say that. But if I do tell you that, you and I have had a conversation on it, we've signed it, and now when it's like I show up late, several times or whatever you can easily be like hey do you remember this like do you remember when we signed this week yeah okay well you're not living up to that so either like you figure it out or you're gone like it's so simple that it's hard 
you know what I'm saying? Um, and so like I learned that the, throughout the military, and at, like I said, at first I thought they were dumb. But the older I've gotten, and the more leadership positions I've been in, and whatever, I found them that to be such a necessity. And because now it takes deliberate thought on me to understand what their role is and what does this look like. And it doesn't need to be anything crazy. It's just setting out minimum expectations and standards, right? And then it's holding them to that, right? It's no different than telling your athletes, don't be late. And then what happens if they are late? Oh, nothing. Well, now they just learn that they can walk all over you. Well, that's not beneficial. But if you say, hey, if you're late, these are the consequences. And then when they are late, you make it a really big deal right because it's a life lesson because if you show up late to work multiple times you probably don't have a job anymore right so it's like you know just holding people to a standard if you show up late if you show up um intoxicated if you show up whatever like you probably don't have a job anymore so like don't allow the athletes to do that pretty simple right don't allow your assistants to do that pretty simple but you have to lay that out and have the expectation. And that goes back into not being like, because at first they're probably going to read that and be like, what the heck? Or like, what do you mean? Like, oh, this is crazy. It's like, no, it's not. This is basic stuff. And if you have a problem with that, then that's okay. Like, I don't care, but this is what we're going to do. And like, it's just kind of doing that up front. And I, I find when you do that, I find when you lay that stuff out, life gets so much easier because it's, it, 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 it's, it's no, it, it just makes it easier to be like, these are the expectations. And either you're going to abide by them or you're not. And you know, it's not anything crazy. It's just respectful things, right? Um, and then it's so simple just to hold them to that standard. Like, and then if you want to talk about creating culture and all this, like everything affects everything, right? And so when you start doing that, guys know they can't pull fast ones on you. Like, oh, I'm late. Well, you didn't text me. You didn't call me. You didn't tell me why, right? Oh, yeah. Like you, you have your phone on you. You know what I'm saying? It's just, getting them to kind of grow up with, right, uh, or, or mature as well. And I've, I just find it to be so simple that it's so hard uh, for people to do that or they have no idea what an example is. Um, but I, when I do it, it makes life a thousand times, like a thousand. Yeah, and I just met one of my sport coaches literally yesterday about, like, expectations and what I expect as a, you know, as a strength coach and <coughs> – sorry. <coughs> and what they expect as a sport coach, like, from me. Because I told him up front, I was like, look, I'm a straight shooter, and if something's wrong, I'm going to tell you that's wrong. But if something's right, I'm going to tell you that's right. You know, I'm not here to change, you know, the entirety of your program, but I'm going to highlight what you're doing right, and we're going to tweak what's doing, you know, what you're doing wrong. And I told him as well, it's like, look, on accountability part, you know, you as a coach have to tell me if I'm doing something wrong. You know, we're big boys and girls up in this school. You know, we're, you know, we're adults here, mm -hmm. you know, I can take, you know, you know, you saying, I don't like this, this sucks, you know, whatever said, okay, you know, let's have a conversation about it. Let's sit down. Let's talk about it, you know, as adults and not, you know, have so much emotional part of it as well. I think that's one thing about coaches, not just as strength coaches, but sport coaches as well. Cause I was a sport coach for a long time yeah. is that we get so attached emotionally to what we like to do as well yeah and then when someone's like oh i don't like that right and it's like a personal shot at me because you know that's something that i like to do but they don't like to do and it's like it becomes personal but you know if we can have conversations of like taking the emotional out of it because it's not about you it's not about me 
It's about the athlete. It's about winning more games. It's about performance. So. Yeah, and that's the difference between, you know, uh, a, a personal thing and a professional thing. Like, you, you can critique my professional stuff, and that's totally fine. Like, and I'm open to that. Let's have those conversations. Love to have that open dialogue about that. Um, you know, but let's not make it personal, right? Like, we're talking business. Let's talk business. But that doesn't mean I dislike you anymore as a person. You know, that doesn't mean I say, oh, he's car. Like, no, like, everybody could always get better personally and professionally. So it's like, okay, cool. If we're going to talk about this professional thing, let's do that. If you don't like this or that, cool. Like, I'm super willing to change it. Um, we call it being married to an idea, right? Um, so we tell people in the military and our leadership, like, don't be married to an idea. Have your idea, stand firm on it, but you can't be inflexible. You have to be flexible and adaptable. And, you know, if that means changing blah, 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 whatever, cool. Um, I think there's a certain level of, like, that's good taking it personally because it's like, he means that you care, right? Like I take things that way too. Cause like I care, I want to be the best. I want my athletes to have the best service as well. Um, and so when things aren't right, I'm like, like, you know, I like, I'm like, come on. Like, uh, but it's cause I love them and it's cause I care. But at the same time, like you have to have the ability to, to know and detach the emotion from the professional critiques and the personal critique. And I think that's really important. Um, and that's something that I think takes maturity. Because at the end of the day, the end goal is to, you know, win more ball games. And if we did that, fantastic, right? Like me giving you a task, like, you know, go run a mile, like, or, or whatever. Like, you know, it, it, I don't particularly care how we get there. I just care that we get there, right? And so if my methods or things of that nature change, fantastic. The goal is still the goal, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that was one thing I think as a young strength coach, as a young sport coach, just a young coach in general, that it was really hard to do. Because when I was first running the weight room and one of our standards is never be late. Just don't be late. If you got to be there an hour early, if we got to go pick you up, you know, whatever, by any means, don't be late. And the first year I ran a weight room and, you know, had about a few kids, because kids are always going to test you at some given point. Any athlete's going to test you. And, you know, they would just walk in like five, ten minutes late. And no big, you know, thinking no big deal. Well, I got so, you know, we get so emotional. And I got really, I mean, just telling on me too. Because, like, I got really emotional because I'm like, I told you not to be late. You know, why are you late? Well, and then, you know, we get whatever, you know. Excuse. 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 There you go. Excuse back. But, like, you know, it's. There's professional and then there's personal, like you said. Um, just, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, athletes will test you 1,000%, and they'll come in different forms. I think that's a big thing. If you're a newer coach, newer to your team, athletes will test you. Um, some of your typical athletes will test you in actual training. Hey, how much can you bench and how many reps can you do and can you lift this weight up and et cetera, you know. And then someone tests you in regards of your standards and stuff like that. And so that's why I said, you know, if you just lay that out front, like if you're late, these are the consequences. Cool. Like you knew that up front, right? Like you, you know that up front, right? Um, and so cool. Oh, you didn't text or call. Mm, okay, cool. Gotcha. No worries. And it's, it, 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 it's obviously like having an understanding too. Like for instance, if my athletes are going to be late because they were talking to a professor 
um, or whatever that may be, or they were finishing up film with another coach. Cool, got it. Just let me know. No different than, you know, if I was going to tell you I was going to be late for a meeting or whatever, right? Got it. Cool, understood. Um, but if it's just like a no call, no show or something like that, I'm like, nah, that's not cool at all. But you, ha- they will test you. They will test you. And that's one thing too, like in the high school realm and I guess in maybe even in the college realm, you know, we get athletes that have to be, have, they have to grow up pretty quickly. And the fact of like, well, I'm, I was up till 2 a.m., mm-hmm. you know, taking care of my brother or sister, you know, at work till midnight, things of that nature, you know. Sometimes, you know, athletes do need to break of that fact of like, you know, I'm trying to take care of my life and, you know, training is like the last thing on my mind. But on the other side of the coin, you know, there's athletes that walk in with slides and headphones and not the right T-shirt on, not the right clothes, you know, all the nine miles, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like that's where that relationship comes in. Right. And so, you know, if, if you know that athlete is uh, has extreme circumstances, you know, I think the nature of people to, to be loving people is to be like, I understand. Right. Um, and you can talk with them one-on-one offline about that. But yeah, I think for the majority, you know, you have to build that relationship, but then also, you know, you have to have the standards too, right? And uh, you just have to hold them, you know, you just have to hold to your standards and they might not like you for that. And guess what? That's okay. You know, I just look at it as like, especially where I'm at right now, like for the athletes that want to go professional, um, if you go pro and you're late, you know what they're doing is they're taking your money. And I don't know about you, but I work really hard for mine and I don't want anybody to take my money. And so it's just like giving them, especially now with like NIL deals and all this other stuff that's happening. I think it's just a matter of like showing them like what real world is like, you know what I'm saying? Um, You know, if you go pro when they go pro, which I want them all to do um, and I'm going to help them get there. But if you're late, if you, you know, violate team policies or whatever, like you're fine. And it's not five bucks, right? Like <laughs> it can be a lot of money, right? And so um, let's just set those habits in place now, you know? And so you don't have to do that. So you don't have to pay that money. So you don't have to whatever. If you are on an NIL contract and you don't follow your contract and you don't get paid, well, that's not anybody's fault but your own, right? They set the expectation up front. You're going to post X times, you're going to do whatever. And if you don't do it, you don't get paid. Like that's how that works. And so it's no different, you know, it's, it's life. Like we're teaching them life lessons. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. We're just using training and uh, physical training or some of these other tools to teach them life lessons. And I think that's what's really important. Absolutely. And it's no secret that really basketball players, athletes are not too fond of the weight room. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a secret at all. Um, and I've, I've experienced it when I was an intern. I've seen it, you know, dealt with it, everything of that nature. So, you know, you you set your expectations for your basketball team and everything like that. Um, what are some things that you do to ensure they follow your standards? And what are some of the guidelines that you have for your basketball athletes? You set the expectation up front, you know. Um, <clears throat> Like, for instance, if they're late, uh, you know, they have to do burpees, right? And I don't talk to them or speak to them until their burpees are completed. And then I'll give them a hug and tell them, please don't do that again, right? Like, I'm not 
an a-hole i'm not no hey look you know the deal we talked about this we have documentation on this and so that's what it is if you don't want to do it cool you're gone simple right like it's it's not hard um and it's and then i make a big deal and then i make a joke out of it right typically when you make an example not that i'm maliciously doing that so for you listeners that are thinking that it's not it at all it's not malicious um but when you typically somebody shows up late which will happen it's just the nature of college athletes um you just make it a really big deal and then you give them a hug you tell them you love them and you ask them not to do it again typically the embarrassment is enough for them to not do it again and then you go about your day right like you don't treat them differently you don't do anything crazy from that the next day you come in you dab them up you say what's up and you act like it doesn't happen right um and that's it but you build a relationship with them so they know that they love you or you love them and etc but it's just a matter of you know you make an example i typically clap and i say got one you know whatever right like make a big deal out of it um and and go from there you know i i don't belittle them or anything like it's not malicious it's just these are the consequences you know what they are okay cool like let's knock them out okay cool got you you know like what do you want me to do about that? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the standard, bud. So you agreed to it, so let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, that happens in jobs, too. Like, yeah. if you if you walk late into a job, I mean, you're probably going to get a warning. Maybe a slap on the wrist. Maybe you work, you know, 15 minutes over because you're 15 minutes late. Sure. But, I mean, if it becomes a natural habit as well, then you're probably going to be unemployed by the end of the week. In a day. And, and I have the same thing for me. Like, it's not just a student expectation. It's a coach expectation as well. Like, if I'm late, I have the same punishment for, as them. So it's not like, oh, you're going to do something that I will never do. It's literally like, I will do the same stuff, right? Um, You know, given that I won't be late, right? But it's just so they know, like, I'm not asking you something that I'm unwilling to do myself. Like, I will do that. I have no issue with that either, right? And so it's also like that's put in there. Like we have a form that we go through. Like that is put in there. It's written. And so um it's no different from that standpoint. Like they be like, okay, cool. Like if I'm late, it's the same consequence, you know? Um and, and and from that standpoint. So I think that's a big thing too. That's what happened with me with football. You know, I'll tell guys if you're late to practice, it's fifty push ups. Well, coach was late to, to practice. I was late to practice. Knock him out. Oh, Knock him out. You know, go out. So I'm physically fit enough, and I can knock out 50 push-ups, you know, with, without, you know, breaking the sweat or whatever. Um, but little Jimmy, that's like 115 pounds, that, you know, he's getting a good tricep pump at the end of the, the 50 push-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just the same thing. It's living the standard. It's being the standard. It's, you know, um, not asking them to do something you wouldn't do yourself. And I think that's important. And it's having that written down there, too, you know. Absolutely. And let's kind of change gears a little bit. Um, Talk about sports science, sport metrics, data collection, the whole nine miles, because you've been really big into that, um, as far as I've known you as well. Um, so what are some of the things that you collect on a daily basis? How do you do your data collection? What, what are you seeing from your basketball athletes? You know, kind of give us a rundown. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think here's why I think that is important. Um, it's the only objective measurements 
And so even though I could say, hey, I think they ran a lot today, I can't actually show that, right? If I'm not collecting data. Now, if they're wearing GPS units, I can show that. I can prove, hey, coach, this is what it, it says, right? Um, and I think that helps take the emotion out of things. Hey, coach, like, you know, maybe we ran them too much or, or whatever the case may be, right? Or we had a hard day. Because here's the difference is, like, what you think is hard might be easy for me. What I think is hard might be easy for you. It's no different than what a, a practice session may be, what we believe could be an easy day. It could actually be, you know, pretty metabolically challenging for athletes or cardiovascular challenging. And so just having that understanding, I think, is a big thing and bringing awareness to it. Um, and so, you know, and it's not because somebody needs to be right or wrong. It's just bringing awareness and, and, and having the data to back up, confirm typically what we believe we're doing. And I, I, I see that a lot is like, what are we trying to do? Cool. We did it. What does the data say? This? Okay. That's pretty much in line with what we thought. Okay. Awesome. Maybe we can make a tweak here or there. Fantastic. But it's just having that understanding. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and then sometimes it, you know, uses it to confirm or change or deny some things that, you know, we were looking at. Um, data collection for me um, right now is we have our guys fill out a daily health and wellness questionnaire. And so that's exciting. Um, yeah, simple stuff. So that's just collected uh, via Google Forms um, and then put into a, a spreadsheet for me that I look at. Um, what I've done previously is I had polar uh, where I was previously. And so we would wear that at practices and then collect the data from that standpoint, just download it. Um, and then I put things into uh, Power BI. That's kind of my my big thing. I, I love it. Um, now, where I'm at now, we'll be using uh, Connexon and Polar. And so we'll be using both and we'll get both internal and external metrics, which is really good. Um, and I'm excited for that. And so that data collection will essentially look exactly the same in regards of the where I'm at practices. And then um, I'll download everything and then put it into a Power BI. Um, and, and look at the data from that standpoint, but then I'll combine the health and wellness questionnaire, um, all the metrics from a sports science standpoint, um, and then we have four stacks. And then so doing four stacks and DBT as well. And so getting all of that to be a combination of one and having different tabs and player profiles and all sorts of stuff that that's kind of how I do it. Um, so I take a lot of time looking at uh, raw data and some Power BI work, but that's pretty much how I do it. Um, Pretty simple, pretty cut and dry. Uh, there's stuff that I do on the back end, obviously, to you know get the raw data and everything from that standpoint. But I just think it's really important because it's the only objective measure. It takes my emotion out of it, takes coaches' emotions out of it, and then we can start to categorize like what drills are metabolic, metabolically and cardiovascularly taxing. Um, you know, where do we spend our time? What are we training? You know. Um, are we doing 90% offense and 10% defense or whatever the case may be? And just having an understanding. I think that's the biggest thing is just having an understanding from it. Absolutely. And I told our sport coaches the other day too that like the time of guessing is pretty much over. You know, there's so much technology out there and Google Sheets is free, man. Like you can do a lot of things in Google Sheets and it's free. 
you know, if you got a Google account. But like the time for guessing is pretty much over with the rise in technology, the resources that are available on social media, the internet, etc. I mean, it there the time for guessing is pretty much over. And um, you know, doing just simple things like your wellness surveys. Now something we're starting, you know, come July 10th here is these athletes got team builder on their phones, right? You can download the app and just fill it out first thing in the morning. I feel crappy, I feel terrible, I feel great, you know, whatever. And that lets me know, okay, what did we do, you know, last week? What did we do yesterday that made you feel so tired and so sore? You know, was it because that, you know, I mismanaged a load? Was it because you haven't been here in three weeks? And attendance is another data point as well that we can obviously take a look at. But like, you know, doing simple things like that just draws us closer into not only you know making decisions but answering questions as well yeah yeah absolutely i think that's the biggest thing um you know i'm very fortunate where i'm at right now to have coaches who have played the game at an extremely high level um you know coach mo williams who was a you know nba champion um who's who played in the league you know for a very long time um his knowledge of the game is phenomenal the whole coaching staffs on both the men and women's basketball side of the house they're knowledge of the game is extremely extensive and i'm so I'm extremely fortunate from that standpoint um because you know they know the sport way better than i do um and and i think that's really good uh so that helps us manage that a lot because you know they've been through countless of obviously nba finals championships um uh, playoffs all that stuff so like you know they know that intuitively better than i um but it's also great just to put data to it right um and, and just to confirm and it's not saying anything just hey coach just as a heads up this is what you know and then kind of just have those conversations with them and what does this look like and what does what should we do what you know whatever um and so i think that's really important too uh from from that standpoint is just a lot of times just also giving them the heads up hey so and so you know didn't sleep very well last night or whatever or or you know our higher minute guys you know things like that it's just kind of Again, just putting objective data to it. I'm very fortunate with the coaches that I have um, because they're extremely intelligent and that helps a lot. Um, and that makes life easy for me. But it's also just showing them, hey, coach, this is what we did as a heads up, you know. Um, not telling you to change anything, just not wanting you to know. And so that's a big thing. Uh, I think that's really important. Yeah. And you said it best. It puts like a confirmation on what you're doing, you know. Um, that, you know, if we're doing a 12 week cycle or a three week, four week cycle, whatever, you know, whatever your flavor is for, you know, off season, preseason, whatever, if by week four, week three, week 12, that you don't really know, you know, what the inverse, did they get stronger? Did they get more powerful? Are we getting faster? No. Are we getting more athletic? Are they turning that corner a lot better than they did, you know, the previous week? I mean, like. Those are objectives. Those are data points. Those those are you know KPIs that we got to take a look for, and you know to yeah. almost confirm that we're, what we're doing is meaningful. And sport coaches want to know as well. Like, how's little Johnny doing uh, on bench on squad? You know, and they can tell too. Like, it it doesn't take a genius to look at someone doing like a like an M drill, right? Turn a corner and see that they're rounded off week one, and by week three, they're starting to turn that corner a little tighter. Like, it doesn't take a genius to do that. Right. But, you know, 
if we don't have that data point, if we don't have those metrics measured, then how do we know? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's interesting. Um, also, I think, you know, as coaches, we develop a coaching eye. Um, and I find that to be, you know, of some of the highest importance. And when players look physically built, when players are running and they look fluid um, or they're cutting or stopping and it looks effortless, you know, those are noticeable changes that you know, maybe you have a data point on that or not, but those are noticeable things that get people buzzing in a good way. And so I think when you can kind of do that and and polish that, I think that's really important too, regardless of what the data may show on that. Um, you know, because I think a lot of times people will be like, oh, like he looks slower. And it's like, well, he actually is faster. <laughs> um believe it or not um and so that's really interesting but it's also like oh man he looks good he looks fluid he looks um like he's not trying he looks like it's easy it's like yeah it's because he's like he's physically put together now or yeah we've been practicing whatever um and i find that to be really easy too i also think the number like a huge tool for me not that i'm fully reliant upon it but a huge tool for me is vbt i think it's just a, a it's a game changer i really believe that and it helps athletes so much, right? Um, because I think a lot of times there's that, you know, preconceived notion of like, we're always going to lift super heavy and it's, uh, you know, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, we're going to lift, we're going to lift heavy. Don't get me wrong. Like we will do that. But I think there's a difference. I've seen a difference when you put athletes on a VBT unit, um, and you just tell them these are your parameters. I think what occurs is they add more weight and they don't even really notice it because they're so much more preoccupied on the VBT. It has far more competition. Um, I feel like guys get stronger faster, if that makes sense. Um, when you can like, ride the surf the wave right or ride the or, yeah surf the curve um I, I i've seen that and the guys that don't even like to lift get a lot stronger faster <laughs> and then they kind of enjoy it now you know and so it's just like having i don't know man there's something with it that i love it one it makes programming a thousand times easier um and then two it, 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 it if a guy's feeling bad cool take weight off like i don't really like be in this zone <laughs> like i don't particularly care the weight on the bar i care about your intent and your effort and if you can give me those two things great you know what i'm saying i think sometimes we get so hung up on yeah did i squat 405 today like cool like great but how was your intent and effort you know yeah absolutely and i think it gives immediate feedback as well yeah. that you know, if you're going, you know, sub 0.5, I mean, you're starting to hit that, was it strength speed rather than your your maximum intent rather than your dynamic intent, if, you're, if we're talking conjugate terms. Uh, but, you know, if you look at that force velocity curve, you know, you're able to program strength, speed, you know, power output in that force velocity curve. And so, again, going back to the idea of, like, you're not guessing. You know, 
I, I think, you know, 70 to 80% or, you know, whatever. That's pretty much out the window at that point if you got a VPT unit. It's like, here's the metrics. Here's your sets and reps. Get within that zone. I just think, you know, if you're looking at a high performance, like a, a, a high performance model across the board, you know, everything is tracked, measured, calculated. And that high performance means everything is also taken into account. And so if a guy's feeling down, um, maybe didn't recover, maybe didn't sleep, maybe played a lot of minutes, maybe whatever the case may be, that high performance model is also flexible. And that means, hey, you know, we are going to, back you off today or reduce volume or whatever the case may be. And I think that's really important. I think a lot of times, like we try to force, you know, uh, a, a round peg or yeah, what is it? A, a square thing in a, in, in a, a, a circular hole, whatever that saying is, I don't even know, but I feel like we try and force some stuff so much and we need to have a little bit more give and take on it, especially like if you're doing a high performance model, right? Like guys are down, guys are whatever. And you can see it like, I don't know. I just have so many thoughts on it. It's just, yes, we train hard. So for your listeners, we train freaking hard. Like we get after it. I mean, we're, especially now in the summertime, yeah, I don't care if you're sore. We're, we're, we're getting after it. Right. Um, but, but we're doing it intelligent. We're doing it with tech, with data collection and with an understanding of, of guys. Like we're going to train really hard. We're gonna have a party while we're doing it, but we're not just doing it in a unsophisticated manner. Like there's there's a deliberate thought process behind it, you know. You're not just taking a shot in the dark, you know. There's plenty full of metrics and data, and having your own coach's eye. Like I can see if a guy is squatting like three fifteen, if that bar speed is gonna be fast or slow. Like from a coach's side, you're you're gonna know, you know, intentionally, like, oh, that's a little light, you know, or that's that's you know, if they're moving pretty slow, it's like, okay, you, you probably need to back off a little bit. But, you know, it doesn't take a technology in order to figure that out. You can have a coach's eye and do that. But having VPT, you know, you can set that range. You can, you know, physically see the number and say, Okay, I'm in within that range. I just think it's, 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 yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, but it's like also like, okay, so if I'm just doing percentage-based programming, right, um, which I have no issue with percentage-based programming, um, but if I'm only, let, let's say we're always, for the coaches that do this, which is charging bananas, but like, let's say we're always 85% and above, always, always at 90% above, right? Well, like, who's that actually benefiting? Like, legitimately, who is that actually benefiting? And so, is it just feeding my own ego to say, oh, I got 10 pounds more on a bench, like cool. But it also took you five seconds slower, which is it like you look at sport, the number one thing that I think um we we also need to consider in sport, there's a time constraint, right? And it's not always who lifts the fastest, who can express that peak power the fastest, right? And so, like, okay, if we're getting heavier and heavier and we're hitting doubles at 90s and triples, and like, don't get me wrong, we're gonna get strong, yes. But like if that's all we're doing, like I, I just think we're missing the boat. Like there's there's a time constraint. And if I take four seconds to do a one RM to feed my ego, that's great. But like it doesn't help them with their sport. Now that doesn't mean don't do that stuff or anything. Just understand and selectively choose. Don't do that stuff all the time, right? Like I think vertical integration is is so important to training into programming. 
like everything stays in the program, the level of emphasis just changes. And so it's like, when I do that, like, okay, if we're, you know, within this range, amazing, right? 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, whatever the case may be, great. Like, let's do a bunch of submax work for a long period of time, have high intent and high effort. And I think you'll see my one RM go much higher than what you will when I'm doing these grinding reps. And like a lot of times, like, yeah, a couple of athletes really like that, but the majority don't, right? Like there's a skill to to having that weight on your back. There's a skill to that component, but it's just like, there's a time constraint in sports um, on all sporting actions. And so like, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't recognize that. And I would be doing a disservice if I trained my athletes like powerlifting, because there's no time constraint in the powerlifting, but there is in sport. And so I just look at like the great thing I love like about VBT is like you have that time component like did you get inside that time right or in that meters per second right and so I just find that to be the more I, I study read think about it the more I'm just like we need to pay more attention to the time constraint not that we don't I think there's a lot of uh, information out there about it but not that we don't train heavy. We definitely do. We definitely do hit our triples and our doubles and our singles and stuff like that. But it's not like ugly grinding stuff all the time, you know? Um, and, and, and I just think that's something that we need to pay more attention to. Like sport is fast. And so, you know, we should train our guys accordingly. Absolutely, Kendrick. Uh, let's go ahead and start wrapping up uh, this episode here. I'm going to leave with this segment here. So it's called Conjugate Coach Spotlight. So do you have anyone out there that you want to shout out, highlight, that's making the difference in the field of strength conditioning? Yeah, I mean, I got out about 20 of them. Um, no, for real, I, I, I've got a lot of people that I really value um, in, in strength and conditioning, um, not only as coaches, but as, as friends, um, as people that I really, you know, would, would do a lot for almost anything for um so you know i'm just gonna name a couple, like peter ken at smu i think is uh is an absolute stud um all around as a individual as a coach uh as a person um gabe mason at elon andrew benham at elon i think all those guys are just really really good people uh first and really really good coaches you know kind of the people that i really converse with pretty often um and i i really like them uh i mean i've known them for some time but yeah i i just think there's a lot of great people when you get the opportunity to speak with them right um and you know people that i look up to people that um have impacted me you know and there's coaches that are in my head that i think of that have given me outstanding advice um that have looked out for my best interests and and you know, I really appreciate that. Um, and so there's so many dudes out there, man. There's there's a lot of them, and there's a lot of great coaches out there. Um, there's so many great coaches out there that I think it's hard to find um, bad ones, you know? Absolutely, man. And before we go, I want to go ahead and give you the, you know, the, the shameless plug. Sure. You know, talk about your podcast a little bit before we leave off here. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean the coach's table. It's the podcast. It's um, we're we're growing, we're growing rapidly, which is amazing. Um, go check it out. We're on Spotify, YouTube, Apple, literally every audio platform. But the goal is to do, you know, I think as coaches we bash each other too much, 
right? And um, you go on strength coach Twitter or, you know, whatever, all this stuff. And it's just a lot of times so negative. Um, And my belief is that we have more in common than what we do different. And so the reason why that started is to help coaches have a platform uh, to educate, to entertain, to empower, but to also show people like we do have a lot of common, right? Uh, and and from that simple, like I don't care if you back squat or do Olympic lifts, like that's your program. You do what you want to do. I don't particularly care, but I'm not going to bash you because you do that, right? Um, and I think there's that component of it that I just hate. <laughs> I'm just like, why? Like why now? Because of that, there's educational stuff that needs to occur with some coaches, right? I'm not saying any of that is wrong, but we do need to help other coaches, right? And so um, that's kind of where that's at. And I'm finding how much more we have in common with people than with coaches, with people than what we think. And so, um, yeah, it's called The Coach's Table. It's on pod, It's on um, YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Would love it if you go download it, listen to it. Um, like I said, we're growing rapidly and so that's great uh i love it it's so much fun dude like it's i mean you know it. you have a pod it's, it's it's so much fun you get to learn a lot um but you get to really see people for people and i think that's really important um rather than just strength coach you know like cool but like you're so much more than that and i think that's something that people really need to take home too is like yes you are a strength coach or uh a sport performance coach or whatever but you're so much more than that and i shouldn't like you shouldn't just be confined to I'm a strength coach. Like, no, like you're a human being. You're loved by God. You're loved by people. And like be, you, you do a job which has a title of that, which is great. That's a component of you, but is that is not your whole personality. That is not who you are as a whole. You're so much more than that. Um, and I just want to remind people of that because I think we get so caught up in that at times, myself included. Absolutely. And, you know, having the podcast has been one of the better things that has happened for me professionally in my life. And man, and you know, when we had our conversations of like, we're going to be on each other's pods and everything like that, you know, for both of us, it was the idea of helping one another and helping each other grow. You know, we both could easily been of the fact of like, I'm not going to be on your pod. You're not going to be on mine and be selfish about like, you know, the time that we spend on the air, you know, with one another, but like, you know, it's just a growth mindset, man. And it's the idea of, well, we're doing this for the betterment of, you know, the people listening and the betterment of, you know, you, you and myself as well. Um, so I want to commend you on that, man, because, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in that saying, uh, you know, my podcast, is the best thing ever. And, you know, I'm not going to let someone else come in, you know, and stuff like that, man, it's, you know, I, I won't commend you about that. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. I just think, I think the biggest thing is we should help people win. I really do believe that. I really believe that we should help people win. I think there's enough to go around for everybody. Uh, I really do believe that. Um, help people win. I think when you put good things out into the world, good things come back. Um, and I think when you help people, people are willing to help you. And that's, you know, not the reasons why I do things, obviously, but like, I just really believe in, in, in helping people, loving people. Um, and if that's, you know, a conversation, it's a conversation, you know what I'm saying? And so I just, I just think we should help people more. I think we should love people more. Um, 
think we should hold each other accountable more. I think, you know, all that stuff, right? But I think it's like when you're talking man to man, man to man, brotherhood to brotherhood, like that's what you guys do, right? Like, hey, if you guys want to be the best, we're going to hold each other accountable. Hey, we're going to help each other, even if it's an inconvenience, right? Like it's, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, no, like that's what you do. That's what, you know, men do. That's what women do. That's what people do. And so I think that's just really important. I think we should help people. I think we should love people. I think we should hold people accountable um, and let people know that we love them. I think it's just like, it's just so important. We don't hear it enough. We got to encourage people more. Absolutely, man. Well, I want to thank you again for being on the Conjugate Chats, making the time and everything like that, man. And uh, it's completely awesome to have you on and get to talk about several, several things on here, man. And, yeah. you know, I enjoy uh, and look forward to having future conversations with you, man. Yeah, likewise, bro. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. And that is another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjugate Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also, follow Kendrick on his social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. And before we end this episode here, I wanted to bring the light to something. Um, most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches. Um, for those that are aspiring strength coaches out there, um, I set up a Gumroad account, a uh, store even, to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning. Starting with, um, I have study guys on there uh, for anyone that's not past the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guys that I've developed over the last three years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad in which you can purchase or just download for free um, the study guys for CSCS, a couple of my guides for in uh, in season training, and also um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjugate Chats, and thank you for your continuous support.